You're listening to Sunny Side Up, a B2B podcast that brings you the juiciest insights from go-to-market leaders and practitioners. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sunny Side Up. I am your host for the day, Marnie Reed, and today I'm very excited to be talking to our guest, Bass Palman. And we're going to be really diving deep into scaling go-to-market strategies, uh, go-to-market plans, and really digging into some of the challenges that those present. So Bass, I'm really excited to have you on the show today. Welcome to the show. And I would love for you to start by telling us a little bit about yourself. I'd love to hear you know, a little bit of personal and a little bit of professional. Yeah, sure. Now, uh, also very happy to be here, Marna, and uh, thank you for inviting me. I'm Bas Palmer. I'm uh, I'm living in Seattle. I'm originally Dutch, so that's my accent. If you have a hard time understanding mm-hmm. it, but uh, it's my not my na- native tongue uh, English. But uh, I'm I'm living now for five years in Seattle. I am a, a professional in marketing and go to markets for the last uh, uh, maybe 25 years. I worked for a lot of big tech companies. Microsoft brought me here to the United States. Uh, love keep me here. So I'm, I'm married here. I'm uh, living in Seattle with my wife and we just have a, a little newborn. So we have a little family started here, six weeks old. So uh, um, sometimes uh, uh, some e- uh, influence on my uh, ability to sleep, uh, but uh, <laughs> I will fight me through this uh, this podcast. Yeah. And uh, after some work for a Meta or uh, Oculus on the, on the Facebook side, uh, I joined uh, AWS uh, almost two years ago, and I'm driving go-to-market and uh, product marketing uh, for uh, uh, on, on the cloud side. From uh, education, I uh, I am educated in the Netherlands. I did uh, University of Maastricht and University of uh, Rotterdam uh, MBA, and uh, I, I've always been in in distribution kind of uh, go-to-markets. Uh, ec- market expansions, uh, bringing technology to to new markets, uh, building scalable programs, incentives, uh, everything what comes with it. So uh, that's me. Very cool. And this is exactly why we have you on today. So very excited to be diving into this conversation. But I also understand that you're a big traveler. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I I love to travel. Now, the last two years have been very, very slow uh, for uh, as many, everybody who's listened to the podcast. I love traveling the world and see everything, and and that's also what 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 makes uh, distrib- of distribution of selling products in multiple markets so unique. That uh, every, every customer is unique, and every every little culture has impact on how these things uh, run. So uh, yeah, I, I think I did now fifty markets or fifty countries, and I love to add wow. the other hundred that are out there. But uh, that uh, yeah. What's your top one? Uh, honestly, South America has been very, very uh, off my list yet. I, I haven't been uh, to more south than Panama, so I I absolutely love to want to go to uh, Argentina or in Brazil that are very high on my list. Yes, I am. I am jealous. I, I also, based off of our last conversation, you said that you've been to Tibet, and that is. That's my bucket list. It's on my list to go to. So let's dive in. And I would love for you to start today by talking to us a little bit about creating that go-to-market strategy and tapping into new markets. How do you even get started with this? Yeah, it's a very good question. Yeah, of course, it depends on uh, on, on what you need to market. Uh, I'm, I'm, let's say uh, let let's take at least the technology market that that uh, where I'm I'm mostly uh, familiar with as a as a starting point. Uh, technology is not like 
I've been I've been in hardware and in in, in cloud and in software uh, quite a long time, and you see that hardware has a lot of di- different kind of ways of uh, they need to be certified. You need to have local uh, localization on the on the hardware. You have to have a return and a, and a whole whole, whole uh, logistical process. So in many cases, going to a market is is really like okay, what's the market potential? Um, it's a it's a it is a, a big calculation on uh, how, how profitable it can be to go to a certain market uh, and how easy it is to uh, to access it. Um, on the technology side, on on the cloud side, it's 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 much easier, of course. Uh, you can uh, you still have to make it transactionable, so you still have to organize all the the ways that people can pay and can can uh, uh, transact your your product, but there is. Uh, if if the if the market is able to consume your 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 uh, your language or at least an, an, an English product, then you uh, it's it's easier to access uh, new markets. But still, um, if you really look at the, the bigger scope, you you're going to look at like okay, where are my customers that that really benefit from the product, and then what is the channel that I need to to reach them um, from from a uh, from a company perspective, you. Uh, you will have a different approach of uh, like, are you going in with your own p- people? Are you building an organization? Uh, are you hiring people to to drive the engagement with the end customer? Or are you going to be uh, building on uh, existing uh, distribution channels that have uh, relevant pr- of uh, comparable products in their portfolio and that can add your product to it? And, uh, and that is a, a, a less... Um, investment-heavy strategy, but also, of course, you have to uh, uh, leave part of your uh, profits uh, uh, in, 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 in the channel. Yeah, and so I mean that's a fair amount of that's a fair amount of legwork prior to even launching. Um, so that's kind of interesting. Can you can you touch on? And I, I, you know, my snarky side thinks, well, you've never had a challenge in in new market expansion, but my, I would venture to guess you probably have. So. Can you dive a little deeper into some of the challenges that you've seen with new market expansion, and and then how do you tackle those challenges? Yeah, so actually, it's it, it is a complex thing. It's it's really you have to go very thoughtful about it. It's of course in many cases there is already existing demand for your product uh, sometimes, and it's even already being consumed. We have seen with uh, with hardware, for instance, product flows wherever it can go because. Uh, um, there are uh, sellers that see an opportunity, they buy and they sell it for you, or they, they not sell it for you, but they bring it to those markets. So you, you see that it almost goes organic, organic, and it's actually very hard to control. And, and, and you as a company are actually liable in many cases for uh, after-sale support and warranties that are, cannot be fulfilled because you're officially not in that market. So there are a lot of legal constraints to, to think about mm-hmm. of uh, how to limit uh, your product going into markets that you don't want to go into right uh, right away, but when you want to go into the market, then you really have to think about the long term uh, of 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 being in that market, being able to support it, um, having yeah the, the right relationships in place. For example, we were going into a market uh, with hardware um, in uh, in Poland. And we were doing the due diligence by doing an RFP of which distributor to use. The local team had experience uh, before, so they had some some uh, um, so, some preferences of uh, partners to work with. 
we went through a whole very thorough RFP process, which goes into legal, into capabilities, into uh, their uh, their reach into uh, possible resellers. We thought we made a very good choice, but actually a year after, it appears that this company was not doing uh, uh, such a legit business, uh, had tax issues. And eventually the tax uh, office in, in Poland, uh, they they seized the whole company and our whole uh, stock was frozen for, for half a year, couldn't get any a new product into the market. So these things can always happen, even though you do a very good due diligence upfront, uh, that the, yeah, you are depending of those local business partners where you do business with. And that is actually, that's always the case, of course, when you go into markets and you are building your distribution and your Go to market together with partners in those local markets. Uh, that's yeah, they are out of your control. So you cannot control everything with with contracts and with training and things. Yeah. All all these kind of things can still happen. Yeah, that's a that that's a rough story. Uh, do you recommend then having kind of like a contingency plan uh, when you know since there's going to be risk in in expanding into new markets? Do you recommend having these contingency plans in case something does happen like that? Oh, yes. Yeah. For instance, in this case is also showing like a, normally you should go with two partners or like if you if you want to scale up and you and you can and you can support uh, multiple partners because of their uh, of the business that you're going to going to drive, then it's better to have a continuous plan and say, OK, I, I, I go with two partners so that they can take that they there is some kind of competition going on and that uh, that the resellers closer to the to the company or to the, to the market also have choice and then and then you manage a lot of these things uh, more uh, in a better way and then you have a continuous plan that you can shut shut down one and and go with the other and not lose the entire product uh, and, or the exactly. new expansion yeah 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 and shut down the whole market and uh, have your cus- customers in the dark and yeah. not able to serve them yeah yeah. So talk to me a little bit about when you when you think about um, expanding into new markets, in your experience, what are some of the opportunities that organizations really see from an upside when they do this? New markets is of course, can, doesn't have to be a geo, geography, right? It can also be uh, an industry that you enter or uh, a new set of customers that have a specific uh, way of transacting uh, and that they are requiring also a different way of go to market with uh, support or with uh, like for instance in the US if you wanted to sell something to the federal comp- uh, federal government uh, there are requirements about uh, what kind of companies can transact with them and you have to enable them to uh, with your product to be able to sell that product of to, to to serve those customers so there are a lot of opportunities out there but it's always a balance between what is the actual opportunity how 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 much can you sell what what's this the size of the size of the business uh and the effort that you have to uh to put into it what i see for mm-hmm. instance within aws is that the opportunities are actually everywhere uh, it's a huge market our our business is growing very very fast and our internal resources are just one of those limitations that you when you have to specialize your offering or you have to build special materials for uh, specific markets, then you always have to make the trade-off between, yeah, uh, do we have the resources currently? Can a more generic message or a generic approach also fit this market? Or do I really have to specialize it to re- to reach this, this unique market segment and the customers that, that, uh, that are in that? Yeah. 
Yeah, looking at the level of investment and and sometimes that that investment is just the length of time to actually launch into a new market. And like you said, it could be a new product or a new geo. Um, you know, in my experience, some of the the companies or opportunities that we've had, you look at the the partner that you're working with, and it's such a huge organization, and you know that it's not going to be something that you can just you know DocuSign a, a cute little agreement and then and then go live. But you're going to be looking at potentially a, a long term game of six months, nine months of work before you can actually get up and running. So. Um, I think I like the idea of eyes wide open on these things, not only from internal resources, but just length of length of investment to to get it up and yeah, running. Yeah, and that's also like if if you go into a new market, and indeed there is a leading partner that of a leading uh, a partner, an instance that that has access to that to that market, and is that one able to to work with you as a company? And then you see like if if you are very big, and that's one that is also a very big company. When two elephants dance, it takes a while before something happens. In many cases, you try to pilot something with a smaller company that is more flexible to your demands and more flexible to work with you. Then you can test the waters. Then you can see if you can be successful. And if this works, then then work on that those relationships with those bigger partners that have a larger share of the market and that you get access to that part of the market too. Yeah, very I like the visual of two elephants dancing. That That's very entertaining. So looking at AWS, it's such a huge organization, as you mentioned, and with just the hundreds of solutions that you guys offer, um, talk to me a little bit about how your team approaches potential customers. And and I'm particularly interested in just not, um, not overwhelming your customer, because if you try to feed them too much information, I think it can shut them down. So what are some of the mechanisms that you guys have used at AWS to, to help create that clarity for your customer? Yeah, actually, it's an ongoing process. It's like uh, AWS is a very unique organization. Uh, we grow very fast and always with the customer in mind, developing and innovating new products based on the requirements of our existing customers, but also customers that we see that will benefit from uh, from new cloud solutions. And that brought us to, yeah, now we have around 300 different services that all cater specific scenarios for for running workloads in the cloud and but 300 services you cannot bring that to a new customer right because they 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 will be completely uh, lost when they navigate your uh, your service offering and 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 a service offering had the building blocks that we offer are also not immediately a solution that a customer recognizes as as a solution or as, uh, for for one of its challenges so what we need to do is what we do is we look at certain industries where we see uh, 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 like media and entertainment, uh, streaming media. It's, it's, it's like, it, uh, how do you stream media in an effective way to all these kind of devices? It's a, it's a very, let's say, industry generic pro- uh, uh, challenge. And we build building blocks to support that. So uh, you have uh, building blocks that also can uh, make uh, automatic narratives under, under, uh, under streaming media. Uh, and those building blocks you can combine into a solution, and then that is very relevant for a certain uh, industry, and they can adopt those things uh, in that sense quicker. Um, and you, you can, I mean, the cloud can support all kinds of IT solutions, and therefore it's it's extremely wide, and that's why it's also the market is so the, the opportunity is so big. But uh, what we do is really looking into, okay, what kind of unique solutions are needed in certain industries? 
uh, and build that into a solution from those building blocks together with partners in, in the ecosystem that, that deliver specific services or that can implement it and bring it as a solution to market. One of the things that when we talked last that I found particularly interesting, and maybe you can just talk a little bit about it, is you talked about how you're enabling your partners and your sales teams by creating almost like micro surveys uh, to your customers. Can, can you dive into that a little bit for us? AWS is very unique also in the way we communicate with our end customers and we innovate on, on the customers. So uh, I have never worked at a technology company where the uh, engineering teams are so closely involved with with the customers that are using the product as an AWS. So I see that there is a really close knit um, and, and conversation going between uh, the product uh, development teams and and the customer itself. And that's also where marketing and, and sales are mostly facilitating these these um, these conversations. And it's it's not so much that we as marketing, uh, for instance, in a, in a classical way, do a lot of surveys to get new product ideas or get product feedback and, and get that to uh, to our engineering teams. Now, our engineering teams mostly have those relationships themselves. So what we do as marketing is more like if you look at the product and technology as an onion, hey, you have all these layers, you have the core product, and then you have all these layers that, that are needed from a support perspective, from a training perspective, from a, from a documentation perspective. All these elements are uh, defining how the customer experience is with the product. And that is where we focus our, uh, our research on to see, okay, where do we need to uh, invest and where do we need to, to make changes to make it easier for the customer to adopt our service and to, uh, yeah, to, and to, and for us then to, to scale our business uh, to make it relevant for our customers. Yeah. I love that real time feedback from your customers. I think that's so critical for, for, you know, obviously marketing and sales are kind of at the, the front or the tip of the sphere there. And, um, and certainly partners are too, but having that exposure to your engineering and product team and, and having them have the relationship is, is such a cool, uh, such a cool concept that I think many companies don't really take advantage of. So let's, let's shift into company values. Um, you know, you've worked for some amazing core uh, organizations. How how have you seen where company values really affect that go to market strategy? Yeah, I think the maybe people know about the leadership principles at, at Amazon. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's really really core uh, to our culture and the way we work. Um, and a customer obsession is is number one, um, and it drives everything. And the, the the example of that we most of the time have an empty chair in our meeting rooms where the where the figurally uh, if the the customer is sitting. Um, it really drives the way we 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 develop new ideas and new go to markets. Our process internally is, uh, for instance, the the PR FAQ, which is we write a PR message where we say, okay, this product will have this impact in the market for a customer and will change his life in this way um, in, in, in a certain time frame. And then we work back from that. Let's say it's it's a news article that we write and say, okay, uh, AWS announced this and this and this, and uh, this has this impact on, on the customer. Um, and then we work back from what is all needed to get this done, uh, like what kind of product is needed, but also how you bring it to market, uh, what is the customer experience needed to make it successful? And 
and that we do on every level. So we do also that internally, like also when we the the market is existing or the product is existing, but we want to bring it to uh, a new audience. Then we we write this PR FAQ and we see like okay, what kind of channel is needed to do it, what kind of narrative is needed to to support it, uh, and that yeah, it's a really unique way of doing it. But it makes everybody ingrained in the fact that eventually we do it for the customer. If it doesn't change his experience, we should not do it at all. And uh, yeah, there there are many of those let's say leadership principles that are translated into mechanisms. Um, that are really influencing the way our, our processes internally and, and the way we work together are, are, uh, are work, working. Another thing, what is, is actually counterproductive sometimes to it is that how we say also like we have that two pizza team kind of concept where say no team should be bigger than they consume two pizzas. So uh, like uh, if you have a big pizza, uh, like uh, 12, 12 people can eat from two pizzas. So the, we have this internal uh, culture where we say, no, teams have to be small and have to be uh, have a clear responsibility for something to achieve in the market. But that also makes that alignment in a bigger organization becomes harder because, yeah, then the teams becomes bigger and we try to uh, to limit that. But uh, for uh, for integrating your solutions and to go as one company to a customer that can then say, okay, I uh, I work with AWS and I have access to all these resources that they have in a, in a very uh, um, aligned way. Uh, that is a that's a big challenge to achieve that in 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 a in a company that that has been built on on the concept of so many isolated uh, uh, teams. Yeah, and I love the two things I want to highlight here that really stood out to me. One is. The, the powerful language in your PR FAQ where you talk about how you're changing someone's life. And I think that is such a, that's so powerful to look at the direction, whatever direction you're going to go, having that in mind and aligning all of your, your teams around that is just very powerful. And then the other one is, and this is a fun concept of the two pizza rule. Um, not, I mean, that's, that's an entertaining and, and very tangible thing that people can take away um, to be able to implement in their own organization. So uh, I definitely appreciate that. Uh, those two, uh, two recommendations, very cool. So let's, let's look at new trends in the cloud technology adoption. What are some of the thing, things that you're seeing there, Bass? Yeah, cloud, I think with uh, COVID and, and uh, yeah, the whole, everything what happened the last couple of years, uh, it is really, it, it become very clear that, that, People need to be able to have, drive their business digitally, uh, that they need to be able to scale quickly, that they need to uh, be agile. Um, and, and that points all into the direction of cloud. Uh, so it's easier to, uh, to, to have centrally managed uh, IT infrastructure, uh, building on the ability also to have your centralized data and un unlock all the potentials that you have with AI and ML. Um, so there all these things come together and they drive to this new innovation of uh, of, of uh, data. Uh, it's all around us with uh, IoT. And I mean, it, it's all around us. So uh, it, it's more now that we see that um, there are more and more vendors uh, uh, 
having more complete offerings in market. And we see that companies need to navigate between those possibilities that they have. Where are they coming from? What, uh, how do they migrate their current solutions? And where do they start? Uh, because the, the, the options are, are, uh, are limitless. Uh, and it, and it's really important for a cust- for a company to have a cloud mindset before they start building their own cloud, uh, infrastructure because they will be depending on it because it will be such a big part of their, uh, uh since digitally is growing as an, as an important aspect of their business and they're building it in the cloud. So they will have a dependency on which cloud vendor they should go for, uh, that can, uh, support them uh, uh, into the future with the right solutions and, and, and the right growth potential. Uh, so that's what we see right now is that uh, there is there are multiple clouds, people are. Uh, so what we try to do as, as AWS is uh, have clear assessments, have a lot of tools available for those customers to to make those decisions really based on, on their situation, on, on their data, on their Performance that they need and their their um, uh, yeah the, the the applications that they are running and and where they have built their uh, their their business on uh, and if they have insight in that then they can make the best choice uh, and that's what we try to facilitate. Nice, I love that. So let's let's go into I think some th- fun things that our audience can take away. Um, is there, and, and this can be personal, it could be professional, is there a book, a blog, a website that you would recommend uh, for our listeners to actually check out? Yeah, actually, it, it's not at all related to the subject, but it's it's it, it's very um, uh, actual. Uh, I'm reading currently the book Endurance uh, from Alfred Lansing, and I, I really like to... Uh, to inspire people to 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 read this book too, it it is the story of uh, Ernest Shackleton, uh, early to uh, 1900s, where they did the expedition to uh, uh, um, to the uh, to the South Pole, uh, where they tried to cross the, uh, but it went completely wrong. And uh, this whole story is about how how these 29 people, all different personalities with all different capabilities, with this one leader were able to eventually reach uh, civilization again after uh, all kinds of uh, extreme uh, challenges. Uh, had like the, their boat was crushed. They had to go over the ice for, for, for miles. They have to, 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 to sail with two boats to an, an uninhabited island and come from that island again to, to, to get uh, eventually to, to uh, a civilized uh, post that can save them. And, and they all made it. And if you read through this book and, and see how, how leadership involves uh, uh, Ernest Shackleton, who was leading of the expedition, who made very hard choices about shooting the dogs because there was no food anymore or uh, making the choices of going to, to land or going to sea and, uh, and, and, and making choices for such a big group. It's, it's a very, very inspiring story. And, uh, uh, I think everybody that uh, read it can can learn something from it. All right, so check it out on Amazon. That's a that's your action item from uh, listening to this podcast. Yeah, and, and, the, <laughs> and, and the and the interesting thing is that just uh, I think a month ago, uh, the wreck of the boat was finally found on oh really two thousand meter deep in 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 uh, um, 
uh, under the ice and uh and it's it's in pristine condition uh, at least uh, since it went down because it's so so the, so they they found they found the wreck and uh, that that made this whole story wow. uh uh yeah actually that's really cool yeah. i love that yeah thank you for that so what when you think about three people in b2b tech who lead go to market or data science teams who pops to mind as someone who you might be excited to have us bring on to the show? Yeah, one, one spring to mind, and um, um, it's a long time uh, uh, LinkedIn contact from me. It's it's Jay McBain from Forrester. He is uh, he is oh uh, yeah he is amazing. amazing. He, um, he he has great visions to the future of how, for instance, marketplaces. Because we didn't even talk about marketplaces, but that's also something. Uh, very top of mind if you talk about technology and how it's being transacted and uh, how that's being consolidated. Uh, yeah, then then Jay McBain has a has a great vision about it, uh, which I, I would love to have on on your show once or 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 people check him out what he uh, what what he's uh, talking about. If you can't think of three, that's fine. But I I would completely agree with you. Jay McBain is is very love listening to him talk when he gets on podcasts. Just super brilliant. And, and uh, just very insightful. So we'll uh, we'll do our best to see if we can get him on the Sunny Side Up uh, podcast next. So, so as we wrap up today, how can people get connected with you after this podcast if they want to pick your brain or get some tips and tricks as to to you know how you have handled go to market strategy in the past? Oh yeah, I'm 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 on LinkedIn. So please uh, ping me on LinkedIn, and uh, yeah, if you refer this podcast, then I know uh, what the context was. Uh, so. Always happy to meet new people and to uh, to discuss uh, uh, interesting things. Very good. Well, Bass, this has been such a fun conversation. I really have loved having you on our podcast today. I hope our audience and I, I can tell you that I definitely took away some some really valuable nuggets that I'm hoping to implement in our own business. Uh, hopefully, our audience did the same thing. I'm pretty sure of that. Um, thank you so much for taking the time with me today. Thank you for being on our show and uh, appreciate every all of the insights that you have given to us. Uh, and thank you, Marnie, for uh, for inviting me and, uh, and having this discussion. Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, if anybody wants to reach out, feel free. Thank you. Perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you, Bass. Appreciate you. Today's episode is made possible by Demandbase. Demandbase is smarter GTM for B2B brands to help marketing and sales teams spot the juiciest opportunities earlier and progress them faster. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Sunny Side Up. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review us and subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube and Demandbase TV. 